Hi, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of The Why Show, where it's my job to have a wide-ranging conversation about our guests' passion, purpose, and philosophy of life, as well as their creative endeavors. Today, our guest is Chris Kusamonagoro. He's a senior at Emory's Gazueta Business School, double majoring in business and sociology. He led the Emory Impact Investing Group for over two years as the formal CEO, and while he loves social entrepreneurship, his real focus that he wants to dedicate most of his life is to the intersection of sexuality and religion, specifically within Christianity. He co-founded Queerly Beloved, Emory's first queer Christian small group, and wrote his sociology honors thesis on double invisibility, a case study of identity, formation, and experiences for gay Asian American Christian men, in which he received highest honors. I hope you enjoy it. Chris, it's an honor to have you today. Thank you so much for being here. For sure, Stefano. I'm so honored to be here. I'm so excited to just be able to talk on your podcast today. Great. Uh, before we get started, is there anything else that you would want everyone to know about you? Um, I think another fun fact about me is I'm from San Francisco Bay Area, so go West Coast. <laughs> Coming out here in Atlanta, you know, I'm living for the weather, um, but I'm not living for the pond right now. I'm maybe <laughs> sniffling a little bit because I got the allergies. No worries. That's completely fine. Okay, so let's get started with talking a little bit more about sexuality and religion. These are some topics that I must confess I feel like I don't know a lot about, so mm -hmm. I hope I can, and as well as everyone else can learn a lot about it today. Uh, so why don't you start by, by telling us a little bit about why are you passionate about these topics in se sexuality and religion? Yeah, absolutely. So I think like at least with these two intersection and identities, as well as being an Asian American myself, um, these identities have largely shaped the trajectory of my life. Um, growing up in a predominantly evangelical Christian household, I think it was really the foundation of where I found my values about navigating the world and learning about my philosophies of life. And so I think, of course, um, the way that we grow up in our worldviews are so informative for us. And so with that in mind, I think it shaped a lot about my understanding about people and specifically a lot about me as I grew up and uncovered my queer identity as a gay man myself. Um, and of course, that brought a lot of shame, conflict, tension, um, all of the, the, the tension that's involved be having these two dichotomous identities in the world. And that And that conflict is something that has inspired me to want to understand more about it, unravel the stories that other people have about it, and just really dive into that culture of how do we bring union um, in with these two types of ideologies. Yeah, that's fascinating. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what is it at this intersection of sexuality and religion, specifically within Christianity, which is where um, like the religion that you, as, as you mentioned, is like the the main the main belief that you have right 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 so i think at least growing up um from a christian household the main belief and i think the main belief that a lot of cultures have come to see the christian church to have is that being gay is a sin um and sin of course it means that you're bad or potentially you can see like the westboro baptist church condemning gay people to hell um but growing up that wasn't necessarily the nature or the person 
of God that I came to know God as. And as an individual, I think a lot of the values of Christian faith can often be washed and gone based on really extremist beliefs and perspectives. And so for me specifically, um, I really care about this compassionate, social justice-oriented version of Christianity and the values that are like inside of it, because I believe that a lot of it can create the foundation for a much better world that is grounded on things like love and understanding and understanding a God that is a God for the people on the marginalized and in those communities as well. Very interesting. And like with the knowledge that I have, I can see that Christianity, at least like the, the Catholic Church, to give an example, they're growing and as, as time goes by, they're sort of like modernizing right themselves like accepting more you know people from like different you know um genders or just like different uh, beliefs um how exactly the, does that work in the sense of like how do you sort of merge and how do you sort of combine your religion with these sort of identities where does the religion like come come in and like where does the 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 gender uh combine in this sort of um idea yeah, that's a really great question. Okay, for first of all, like they were, did not have terms I think that could be described or characterized until the 1900s when individuals started like having this medicalized version of sexuality and gender in order to start labeling themselves. Right. Um, and I think as a process um, of history went on and this and the world started medicalizing these things, oftentimes in really negative ways. For example, seeing homosexuals as people with mental disorders. Um, it became a way of us now today, like reclaiming a lot of these terms, this terminology, and reclaiming a lot of these identities that the world prescribed onto us in the first place, and now using it as a way of pride and a way of like actually defining ourselves with certain identities. Obviously, I think that the 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 idea of even having labels in the first place is very contentious. Um, why should someone label themselves? Do we need the purpose of labels? Is gender even a thing? Um, <laughs> these are all like the questions that we're having today, and I think they're right. wonderful and phenomenal questions to have. Um, but I think when you look at the reflection of the church and reflection of Christianity, and obviously I can't speak to the entire complexity of the church because there's so many religious denominations, there's so many various beliefs, I think that one thing that we can talk about is, can we go back to the heart of what the church was originally intended to be? Right. And if you look at any of the religious traditions in the past, is it that they were like historically ingrained and truly representing what the religion was at its foundation? Or had somewhere along the way they gotten lost a little bit? Did they take some interpretations too literally? And are they now actually harming communities? As you can see, based on the number of mental health crises, suicide rates of LGBTQ youth that are actually at a higher rate um, than LGBTQ youth who are not religious. Right. And where is this sort of, uh, what is this core of uh, religion, just like spirituality for you? What does that mean? Yeah. And that's, that's a really, really complex question. Um, so I think that I have two kind of perspectives on spirituality. Okay. One, I have a, of a perspective of it from a very like humanistic spiritual component. And then I also think I have another understanding of it as a Christian person myself. Right. And so from the spiritual component, I believe that 
us as individuals, as humans, and the beauty of connection that we can have with one another as just like complex individuals with emotions, with joy, with sadness, with um, like all of the complex parts of human beings and the human experience. For me, that is a reflection of something that is spiritual, regardless if you believe in a spiritual being or not. Um, I believe that as a human and us connecting, that there is spirituality within that, whether that be through conversation or physical connection or emotional intimacy, like all these things to me are parts of spirituality. Um, and I think there's like a beauty and joy that comes with that. Now, if on the flip side, from the Christian's perspective, I, I think that all of these things that I witness are reflections of me for of a higher power. And I will definitely say that my childhood being in the church has allowed me to connect my understanding of spirituality to the Christian God. But I think that, at least in my opinion and perspective, um, the various religions within the world all point to a similar creative being. Right. And we just all have different perspectives about it in different ways and different traditions. Although, again, from a Christian perspective, um, I also believe that God is in all things. And it means I believe that there's essences of God in all religions, in all traditions, and definitely within the human spiritual existence. And I think it's a reflection of that spiritual being um, and, and from the ways that I've experienced it. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, that's that's okay. very curious. Um, I want to segue into talking more about your um, your transition. Actually, that you you, you sort of touched, um, and I want to I want I want people to have an idea of like how I met you in the first place. Yeah. Uh, so I remember I met Chris in it was probably one of the the business clubs info sessions, and I remember I saw him like in those all those business settings and different um, you know environments at the business school, and he was always wearing suits, and it's mm -hmm. a, you're just a very different person than right, who you right. are today. So I want to explore and, and go deeper into at what point you realize your interests were more aligned with spirituality and sexuality rather than just business. And just like, if you could share with us more about this transition. Yeah, yeah, that's so funny that you like bring that up because I feel like when I look at myself and if I look at who I am now as a senior, um, and it was from freshman year, Chris's perspective, I would absolutely have been shocked and bewildered and been like, who is this person? Why has he grown out his hair? Why has his style changed so significantly? I'd be so confused as to what he's doing with his life. Um, however, I feel like, to be honest, the person that I am now is a person that freshman year Chris was afraid to be. Um, oh, wow. Because... I loved business, and it's true, I think that business is really great because it helps you navigate the world, and it sees the world from very, like, real eyes of, like, this is just the way that we live in a capitalist system, this is how the world works. However, it doesn't answer the hard-hitting questions of why does the world have to work this way? Right. Can we make it any better? And those are always the things that really made me struggle with being a business student, even though I wanted to continue to thrive and be successful and, and make a name for myself. And that, to be honest, had always still stemmed from the spiritual and queer aspects of my life and my journey without me knowing. So as a Christian and as an Asian American, I think a huge part of my life story is I want to be, like I want to make sure 
that like I am a successful contributor to society. That's just like part of the model minority myth. That's part of the perpetual foreigner stereotypes that are attached to being an Asian American. And I totally fell into that. And not to mention being a queer person and not having full confidence in myself. There is this essence of shame that is so deeply entrenched in my experience that I had gone about and thought, what is the best and most immediate way for me to make a name for myself in the world um, and be successful in the world in the eyes of my family, my community, um, and just the people around me. And I was like, there's no better way than business. It's immediate. You know the next step. Right. It's super, super structured. Right. You just make money and you're there. You work your way up, you're there. You're successful. Um, and I, it took me until COVID. It didn't take it didn't take me until COVID for me to realize that after taking like a breath and being forced to step out of all of these extracurriculars that I was surrounding myself in, that at the heart of what I really cared about was I cared about queer identity and bridging that with spirituality um, and really figuring out how an individual can like thrive and flourish in life. That's what I want for my life. I don't necessarily care about the a- accomplishments or accolades right. um, within business because I think, as I've seen, business has rarely done more good in the world than it has done bad. <laughs> um, it doesn't make all of it bad. Right, right. But the good that I do want to see in the world, I think, comes from an essence of flourishing. And I think that I cannot separate that for me from spirituality. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's so interesting. And I think... At least to me, I'm also a business major, right? And uh, I think one of the things that I believe the the business school doesn't teach you is is the why in the sense of like the business school teaches you very well to do the how. It's like how to do things, how, how to operationalize things, right? Um, but it doesn't teach you why you would do that, you know? Right. So I think it's very powerful and, and definitely has shown a great amount of like self-awareness that you've had in the past few like years to mm. reach that conclusion. And I actually want to use and go deeper into uh, what inspires you to make this change, you know, in these areas. You mentioned that that's that's almost like your calling, you know. Right. And I, I wanted to touch as well on the Queerly Beloved, which is the Emory's first queer Christian small group. So can you tell us some more about it and what this impact you've been having, like what is the form of impact you've been having with the group? Yeah, yeah. So Queerly Beloved, um, it's an organization that we just started. It's still unofficial, but we're just kind of running in the underground right now. Okay. Um, And I think that one thing that's amazing is that as I've been more confident with sharing my story about being a queer person, um, as well as being Christian, the amount of connections and empathy that people have been having who have similar experiences in very different ways. Um, The vast of the vast array of perspectives around queerness from religious folk is very different. But one thing that I have found is that people from many different religious groups have found a similarity in the fact that queer people have historically been oppressed um, and that throughout their experiences, they have found very little conversation happening about being a queer person and being able to connect to roots um, of spiritual traditions of the past. Um, And so This group started with the main core of four of us who were just really, really passionate about this idea. Um, We were all undergraduates who wanted to make 
a space like this on campus and that we could host events, find community, and essentially just share in the innate solidarity of having this queer religious experience. Because whether, like no matter what our perspectives, no matter what our cultural backgrounds look like, there is some richness to the idea of being a queer person, being able to choose people that you really connect with. And I think that was a really, really special thing. So um, some of the things that we've been able to do this past year um one of the big events that we did was like glitter ash wednesday and <laughs> what, what what does that entail exactly <laughs> yeah so ash wednesday is essentially one of the events that happens like before easter um and it also symbolizes like the start of lent right right after mardi gras in fact right <laughs> um and so ash wednesday reminds us of the brevity of life and uses words such as remember you are dust and unto dust you shall return to talk about how finite human life is and how we are just small beings compared to the spiritual creator that we have. Interesting, very, very interesting. Um, I I know it doesn't have necessarily to do with uh, spirituality or religion, but I am a big fan of Stoicism. I think everyone who like knows me like closely know how much I enjoy reading about this uh, philosophy. And one of the things in Stoicism that it's kind of similar to this idea is they have some special days in the in a year that you go outside and you wear just like very like bad just like old clothes and you would wear them to you know almost like leave all your fears and behind and mm -hmm. realize how almost like insignificant of a like of a being you are you know and and, and that uh, experience i guess just makes you realize that and makes you feel like yeah i mean I have to enjoy the things that I have, you know, uh, the material things, like the connections, everything. Um, but at the same time, if I lose my material things, it's not like my life's going to end, right? So right. Uh, it teaches you about the the sort of like almost like insignificance of, of, of who you are, right? Mm -hmm. In that sense. Uh, not in a bad sense, of course, but no, like in no. a sense that makes you like feel appreciate appreciative of that fact. Right. It's like super humbling and also I think just like grounds you into really wanting to make the most out of your life. Yeah. Um, going back to the Glitter Ash Wednesday. Okay. So the, what our organization did that was, I think, so unique about it is that rather than just ashes, um, we had the ashes mixed with glitter. Right. And that was symbolic of just like yeah. LGBT affirmation on campus. Very creative. Yes. And I think it was really, really cool to see people like talking about it, you know, both yeah. Christians on the more conservative end who were criticizing it sometimes, although there were very few, and then other people seeing just like how awesome it could be to be yeah. LGBT affirming. Um, and I think the fact that the conversation was being had just symbolized to me like a really important thing that LGBT people can be religious. Yeah. Um, and that it is a really great thing to be able to be in touch with spiritual roots as well. How do you combine these two? Like, it almost feels like you can't have both at the same time. Like, what does that mean to you? Like, having those spirituality and sexuality combined and being this sort of unique thing that guides your life and that you really believe in that. Yeah, that's a huge thing. Um, and I think that the way to do that and the way to start is to start by not looking at what the differences are right. according to culture, but looking at what the similarities are. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm taking a queer theology class um, and it, it's one of the most fascinating classes because it delves into queer theory. Um, and one of the main assertions of being able to bring about connection between Christian as well as the queer community is the perception of creating new family, new community, new connection that has never been created before. 
And if you look at the Christian church and you see how it was a generation of individuals who radically left their families and wanted to form a solidarity, like that is a beautiful, beautiful thing because it's people who are passing the biological means of blood and saying, no, we're going to choose our family and choose to worship our creator. Right. Um, similarly, I think if you look at the way that queer individuals have operated because of the marginalization and ostracization mm -hmm. and oftentimes being kicked out of their communities, they have so emphasized this idea of chosen family or found family in which now they're able to really create their communities of people like them. Right. And I think that Very perception similar, right? to me is actually like a parallel. Yeah. Like God calls us to new family and queer people are those who are creating new family. And for me, that is something so beautiful about community organizing that I think is one of the things that like propels me into this direction of wanting to create this new forms of community. Wow, I can say that's very powerful to you. Mm -hmm. Let's dive deeper into your thesis, which also talks a lot about um, experiences that gay Asian American men have right in life. And I know you've carried out a qualitative explorative case study focused on 10 in-depth interviews with gay Asian American men affiliated with Evergreen Baptist Church of Los Angeles. And I'm very curious about the content on your thesis. Can you give us a preview of your thesis and maybe some of uh, your key findings? Yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, this thesis kind of sprang about because of my questions during COVID where I asked myself, why in the world have I never ever met another gay Asian American Christian man myself throughout my 21 years at the time of life? Um, and now after having done it all, I am genuinely blessed by the results and findings that I've been able to find as well as the connections with the interviewees that I've been able to create. So the title of my thesis is Double Invisibility. And this word highlights the experience of intersectional minority identities that are often ignored in dominant discourse. So when you look at the vast array of literature view or what we talk about in society, people who have those double minorities of being gay as well as Asian are ignored. And so I really wanted to do a study highlighting those experiences and was able to talk to these incredible, incredible, passionate and very like self-aware and reflective individuals, which I was so blown away by because each interview took one to two hours long, but they were so rewarding and so introspective. And I, I loved every single second of it. So that's really cool. I imagine you had a lot of fun as well. And like you had a lot of, I don't know, like just a good time having in, in having those interviews because probably you felt uh, a, a good, very strong connection with, with those people. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I think one thing that was really fascinating about all of it is that I ended up using two dissertations, one by a person named Cal and another person by Lam, um, that described different aspects and models of identity formation, as well as the experiences of people who that identify with these three identities. And so my thesis was essentially validating those studies and trying to figure out which models would work best for these individuals. Interesting. Um, yeah. And so I think one of the cool findings was that dual identity formation models, and that's when we talk about and look at different conflicting identities, that those are the models that are best represented inside of the people that I interviewed. You could look at identities like Christian and queer, and you would find that some people, while they're trying to negotiate those identities, they're leaning one way or they're leaning another. Right. 
some people lean more Christian and become super conservative in the beginning I see. to make up for it. Some people try to stop being gay and try to become straight. Wow. And some people lean the other way and they're fully like, wow, we love gay rights. We love pride. We love everything. <laughs> um, before realizing that they do miss that connection with the spiritual community they had in the past. Yeah, I imagine it must be really hard to be able to be in this intersection without, you know, feeling like you're leaving a part, like regardless of whether that's religion or sexuality aside, right? Right, right. Um, that's exactly what my findings show as well. There's like stressors that people undergo while they're navigating these identities. They're feeling um, marginalization for being Asian in the Christian community sometimes or um, being gay inside of the Christian community, being gay in the Asian community. And you have all these stressors and all these challenges. But at the end of the day, there's also really positive ones. Um, and I'm really, really grateful to say that a lot of these people have found even deeper faith, even deeper spiritual connection, um, broader acceptance for other people and greater compassion, empathy, finding actual areas where they can actually belong in community. And I think that's a really beautiful thing because as an individual who's felt the impacts of loneliness a lot in my life, of never really having other people who could understand my experiences, some of these individuals have. And I think that's a really beautiful thing about community. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. And our last question, I wanna ask you what your plans for you know the future, uh, whether that's short-term or long-term. Well, I'll just leave to you to, to share more about that. Yeah, yeah. My future is honestly up in the air. I, I think one of the big things of COVID and honestly going about this process of trying to figure out what I want to do with my life in a way that I'm really passionate about it is dismantling this idea of needing it to be structured, right. needing to have a five-year plan. Um, because my five-year plan from freshman year, none of it became true. <laughs> but honestly, my Mine life, either. So I can, I can definitely say that sometimes it is useful to think like long-term, but like at such young age, I imagine like it, it's, it, it's, it's, almost impossible to to predict or to try to like have a structured plan absolutely and it's almost like more rewarding when you're like just doing things and suddenly like you just oh let's let's do this now and like right? uh that, that makes more sense for me now so let's just do it you know so yeah yeah but please go on yeah and arguably like I, I love my life the way it's going a lot better now than i think i would have if i had actually stuck with my plan um and so now i'm just taking it kind of one day at a time Next year, I'm probably going to end up either in D.C., L.A., or San Francisco. So okay. totally different places. Right. Um, what I know I want to do for sure is like take at least the minimum of a gap year before I jump into anything that continues to discuss these topics of religion and sexuality. So I do want to get go to grad school eventually or get a Ph.D. program um, where I can explore more of these subjects. But that's a little bit down the road, and I have no idea when exactly that will come by. Yeah, Chris, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate all the good knowledge you have shared with us today. This is fantastic, Stefano. Thanks for letting me just share on your, on your podcast as well. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening until the end. If you enjoyed the show, I would really appreciate it if you could share with anyone you think would enjoy it. 